Okay. Do I say like ladies or should I just say lesbians or should I just like go with [noise] It really doesn't matter. [noise] Who you dealing with? Do whatever you want, girl. I don't know. [laughs] It really doesn't matter. [noise] All right. Okay let's go, uh, who wants to be next? Uh Wenny or Nikki? Na- na- [noise] Huh? Me. [noise] Is it going on here? Okay. [laughs] It's all right. [noise] Everything's all right. [noise] It's really hard when you have to like get everything down. [noise] Really? Yeah. [noise] Oh, Susie. Do you want this on the table? I mean, you can take it on the go. Oh, really? Oh, it's fine there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was gonna do. Come over here and help me take these things off. Oh, really? I'm sorry. [laughs] [noise] Like, I'll hold it. Oh, no, I'll leave it with you. [laughs] Mkay. [noise] Where, uh Paul? Oh, there he is. [laughs] Hi. Paul. [noise] Hey, Paul. Um, are you gonna be okay if I put this on your plate? Okay. Mm, nothing. I don't think we can put the salmon on there yet. [laughs] [noise] Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, normally I just put them
the Supreme Court has consistently ruled that the First Amendment means public institutions, including state colleges and universities, cannot exclude speakers or punish speech just because it is hateful or offensive. Yet, 30%, yet 37% of college students in the poll said that shutting down speakers was acceptable, at least sometimes. Another 10% said that it was acceptable sometimes to use violence to prevent someone from speaking. I'm assuming that it was this 10% of students that probably um, led to the big thing at Berkeley. Um, so, um, Milo, I can never pronounce his last name. Yenap. Okay, so basically. Yenapolis. Yeah. 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 Yenapolis. I don't know. I don't know. That's Greek, not Italian. Okay, he doesn't. Oh, he's English. Who cares? Anyway. So he came to Berkeley uh, recently. I forgot when. I think it was 2016 could be wrong it was very pretty recent though and so um, um, I think a lot of people agreed it was Antifa but um, college the college campus Berkeley was there was a lot of campus property that was destroyed and um, riot police had to come onto campus to quail the protests it got pretty bad and out of hand um, so this new Gallup survey that I was talking about is a follow-up to a similar one taken in 2016 and pollsters noted how opinions have shifted in just a few years. Support for campuses that promote a variety of views have dropped, so actually it's gotten kind of worse since Milo. Um, some scholars have noted that one current reason college students are ambivalent, sometimes even hostile to the idea of free speech, is that they were a generation raised to recognize that bullying is wrong. They equate hateful speech to bullying, said Erwin Shermansky, dean of the University of California at Berkeley School of Law and co-author of a book called free speech on campus. Um, another reason is social media. The Gallup poll phone that found that social media is a critical part of college students' lives and has shaped their opinions on free speech. Um, so more than six in 10 students um, in the poll said that dialogue on social media isn't civil and increasingly students think that social media can stifle expression because of a fear of being attacked or because people block those that they disagree with. Um, this is kind of alarming, though. Um, you need a diversity of intellectual views on college campuses, um, mostly because college campuses, I feel like, are a reflection of like public discussions on politics or economics or whatever else. Um, public discourse and public in general, besides just universities. So that's why I brought up like it should there should be intellectual. There should be a variety of intellectual views, um, and we need to uh, make sure that those. Can, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so. Um, <coughs> I just messing around. All right, Eric here. Uh, so, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and be a devil's advocate, and I just don't think that it is completely true that free speech has gone away um i went ahead and pulled up some i went away went ahead and pulled up some uh, articles from the washington post and um luckily for us these uh journalists have done some good work in putting some statistics together um and this article i'm specifically reading are is the campus free speech crisis is a myth and here are the facts 
Granted, this is just one other um, source, so it doesn't mean that any of the sources were previously wrong. This is just another viewpoint. And myth number one, uh, young people in general and college students in particular don't support free speech. Um, and that's just simply not true. And they've uh, went ahead and done some studies from 1970 to 2015 with a lot of fancy graphs, of course. But uh, basically, um, they asked a bunch of students some questions. Um, one of the questions was, should homosexuals be allowed to make uh, a speech at a college campus? And statistically, since 1970 all the way up to 2015, that has exponentially grown in the way of acceptance. So... <coughs> As of today, we're more accepting of uh, free speech as far as it comes to sexuality and um, LGBT rights. Um, another another thing that was asked to the students was, should militarists be allowed to teach? Um, and that has also gone up. Gone up. Uh, students have actually been supporting of others. Uh, that sounded weird. Uh, students are actually supporting that. Um, they're supporting speakers to come and talk at college campuses. Why? Why is the Milo thing such a such a big deal? I think I think it's kind of more of the political climate than it is acceptance of free speech. Um, even when you when you look at the when you look at the specific incidents, it is from the very beginning um, left versus right mentality. Um, Obviously, the the right side was putting up signs that declared one of them uh, feminism is can uh, cancer. Um, another one said stop liberal intolerance. Um, of course, the right-handed uh, side started, you know, chanting, you know, Donald Trump rhetoric, and the other side, you know, was throwing around humanity first. Yada yada yada. And it's it's really what it what I think at least is it comes down to political rhetoric and political bs i don't think that students really don't accept free speech on campus because you know the reality is that for the most part i think most students are at least willing to listen to the other side i think that's just a very specific like scenario um any thoughts on that this is just very opinion based and gonna put kind of burn myself a little bit here but um uh, I I do I would consider myself more liberal, and I think that's uh, something that we're seeing a little bit more um, in the younger generations. I do believe that like the younger people tend to <clears throat> stand a little bit more on on the left than on the right, and so um, with I agree. I think it's more of that political hype, you know. And when it comes to politics, then it gets a little crazy in in terms of free speech because um I think if I was in a situation where I knew that Pence was coming to Mesa to talk about uh shutting down an idea like some shutting down the there you go. Yes. To putting gays in conversion therapy because he does. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. If that was the case, then I would be the first one to throw a tomato at his head, you know, like. <laughs> and so I I do agree that it's a political thing, but I also think that it's almost inevitable. I think that young people are really seeing, you know, the science behind what a lot of uh, conservative people have pushed forward and now that we're really s opening up our eyes to to a lot of things 
they don't like it and so that's where that tension comes from and that's why the milo thing was just so huge um because it was politically uh like it was on the side of politics and so i do think that free speech in college campuses will be naturally more prone to be intolerant to the conservative views because the younger generations are opening up their eyes and changing and evolving with the world and realizing that a lot of the conservative views are very hurtful. Um, example, conversion therapy. Like, that's some crazy stuff that um, I think the majority of the people in the younger generations don't agree with or can see that there are more negative factors than positive ones, if any positive ones. And so I think it's inevitable. I think it's going to continue to happen. I think as time goes by, it'll probably get worse. Um, I can't really imagine what it would look like, but I do think that it's almost inevitable. <coughs> Anyways, um, so I think I think that's that's really um, really interesting that you br that you bring that up. That you know, if Mike Pence comes to speak, he'd be the first one to throw a tomato at his head, right? But here's the <laughs> but here's um, here's the thing. The difference between not agreeing with somebody and not giving them the chance to speak are two completely different things. You know, um, I, you know, as much as I want to 100 percent disagree with the KKK, they should be allowed to gather and rally and do their things because it's part of the foundation of our nation. The First Amendment, free speech and the free the the rights to congregate and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, so I don't know. Let's just uh, a little caveat off of that, Kara. Well, I have a question, and maybe you can um, elaborate on this, Saida. Were you finding um, evidence that schools, as like the administrations themselves, were becoming less tolerant of conservative like people who were applying and trying to sign up and, and pay or be paid to speak at schools? Or is it just the student body that's kind of come out and been more vocal? Because if we're talking about free speech... Free speech is federally, there can be no retribution against somebody who says something that isn't, you know, there's libel, there's slander, but you cannot federally prosecute somebody for speaking their opinion. So if we're talking about, like, you know, at the, the school administration level, where does that start to become, like, a private form of censorship if it's a private campus, or is it considered more of like a state censorship like is there like is there ev evidence to to say either way um so i did find evidence of okay i did find um just one instance admittedly um there hasn't really been um like evidence looking at whether school administrators themselves have been censoring free speech on campus. Um, right now, there is actually a lawsuit um, going on against um, a student at uh, I believe it was the University of Virginia. Um, no, no, sorry, it was in LA, at an LA community college. He was handing out pamphlets for the Constitution, and um, an administrator came up to him and said, "You have to um, sign these forms." proving that you're um, within some codes and basically move where you are. And now he's suing the university on grounds of free expression. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a 
this LA Times or this Washington Post article um, showing what happened to a professor that decided to make a joke about 9-11. So he uh, said anyone who would blow up the Pentagon would have my vote. Um, so his comments triggered an overwhelmingly angry reaction that continues to reverberate despite his repeated apologies. Thousands of students, alumni, and others, some who knew people killed in the September 11 attacks, complained to university administrators, students rallied for Berthold's removal, several legislators and business leaders called for his job. Berthold also received death threats, causing him to stay off campus for a week. The university, meanwhile, has launched an investigation likely to end in disciplinary action against the professor. There are a lot of things you can't say with impunity, even on a college campus, said Provost Ryan Foster. So, Berthold is among a growing number of professors and other college staff members facing censure for making controversial comments or making visibly symbolic positions in the week following terrorist attacks. Um, so, I mean, that was really just one example I could find, um, but that's not really the only... Um, so there are, have been other lawsuits. I'm going to keep looking unless someone else um, talks. But I'll, like, like <laughs> chime in on this. My, my point was this isn't like an isolated incident like he's saying. Like, yeah, I, I talked about that. It was like that very vocal minority, that 10% that I mentioned in the Gal poll before is probably what led to the Milo thing. Um, but they have a huge effect. They have very loud voices. You can't ignore them. So as a result, um, um, the vocal minority can have a chilling effect on what everyone else thinks they can say. At Yale, 42% of students and 71% of conservatives say they feel comfortable giving their opinions on politics, race, religion, and gender. Self-censorship becomes more common as students progress through university. 61% of freshmen feel comfortable gabbing about their views. Their views. Okay. <laughs> I'm so <All> sorry. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Would you know the garden freshmen? <laughs> That's disgusting. Sixty-one <laughs> percent of freshmen feel um, feel comfortable gabbing about their views, but the same is true of just fifty-six percent of sophomores, forty-nine percent of juniors, and thirty percent of seniors. So, oh, this is Leo. So I'm just going to add to um, what what uh, she was saying in accordance to the question about administrators or versus students, the one who's blocking this free speech. I just want to say that um, in uh, the website, the Colora Coloradoan. Coloradoan? Coloradoan, yeah. <laughs> written, and it's, it's written by Michelle Menchaca. Uh, she said that... Um, at Yale, at Yale, I'm just gonna read it. At Yale, uh, at Yale, residential administrator Erica Christakis sent an email to students questioning the university's efforts to discourage offensive Halloween costumes. It was her right to express these views, just as it is the right of students to respond, and yes, to call for her resignation from a job whose role is to create a welcoming space for students. I don't believe she or her husband should be removed, but I support the students' right to seek removal. So there's also this thing, um, of course, I, I watched Ben Shapiro, and, um, you know, he, he talks to on campuses too. And 
there is one instance where I, I the, um, uh, a principal stopped like him him from talking about a typical to uh, a topic, <coughs> and he said that um, you know it's becoming I don't know I guess violent in what he was saying, and and some students are don't don't like it. Of course, the students like don't know what he was talking about. So according to the principal, also that they that he he brought a bunch of people there so that way the students can have a broader view, uh, or can you know can see both sides of the story like Republicans and liberals and, and Democrats, uh, you know, uh, stuff like that. So so I don't know. Uh, I really don't know who's who's blocking these speeches in campuses, but <laughs> but I, uh, another article from the. Colorado one is that at the University of Missouri, protesters blocked a student photographer from taking pictures of a public gathering. Activists said they wanted to create a safe space, and the news media went into a frenzy. The photographer had a legal right to take pictures, but missing from articles lambasting the activists was the historical context. The mainstream media do a disservice to black communities when they fail to cover black pain. Later, protesters apologized in the firm's support. For media presence, so um, there's an opinion here that you know, I'm gonna say. So the concept of free speech is this: um, of, you know, the concept, of course, is that someone will almost always be offended and can translate what you are saying to an attack, thus making it a hate speech, making what you are saying and all about illegal. These protesters protest about a cause and claim freedom of expression, but they disrupt normal routine for others on campuses. I will give you one example, and this is this is on YouTube. These are um, these protesters are inside of a library. Students go there to study, and the cult and the culture in there is usually quiet and peaceful. Uh, when these protesters came in and started chanting their cause, it disturbs the peace for others who are just trying to learn. Some of these people are international students who came to the U.S. to get their degree and do not really care about whatever the protest is about. To these students, education is the way to succeed. I am pretty sure the students are aware of what they are protesting, but just didn't think their cause is worth all the trouble. Freedom of expression, and this includes speech and peaceful assembly, is all good, but it can be, it can be abused. Even though they are not inciting a riot, they are creating a problem for the students who just want to learn. Why should the few decide the many. Did they ask what the other students wanted? Just because some have joined the cause does not mean everyone is okay with it regardless if you think you are fighting for them or not. Shouting contests is not the way to win a protest. This is not how Martin Luther King did it. He gave speeches and they were given in a calm manner. To win a protest, it takes more than just making noises in the streets. You have to compel others to see it your way, but this is, but this is done not through a loud protest, but through effective diplomacy. I'm just going to jump in really quick because I hear that all the time about Martin Luther King. Just remember that he was assassinated after he started to become more militant in his views because he realized that being a moderate and being a pacifist was not working. He spoke more about the war in Vietnam. He started to say that we should not be a part of the war at all and that allowing black people to join the military to go fight and die in that war was not the equivalent of freedom. So he was scorned by the community of people who were 
already in decent places, people who were comfortable within the black community, and they didn't want him upsetting what they had, even to the detriment of people who were suffering extensively. So don't necessarily take Martin Luther King out of context because the last you know, year or two, two years of his life were fighting for the exact opposite of complete pacifism. Well, the reason why I brought up Martin Luther King is because of what he was, uh, well, yeah, the last thing I didn't know about that. But a lot of Americans, anyway, didn't want us to be in the, in the Vietnam War anyway um, because that was completely for something else. It's not what we thought it was. It was. And, of course, well, after people saw what was going on over there, I mean, yeah, I mean, things happen in, in Vietnam War that uh, at le at le unless you're there, I mean, you're, you don't know what you're going to do, right? We have all this idea of what we're going to do, but when we actually get to that situation, we don't know what exactly we're going to do, you know? So, um... Daniel Ellsberg would disagree. Yes, he would. <laughs> well, kind of like, like, okay, well, I don't know if you have one... No, okay, he I said it was a war crime, basically, what he did in Vietnam. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I know, yeah. I mean, what we did in Vietnam was, it's not about whatever freedom what it was. It was just about us wanted to get into that war. It was really for something else. I forgot what it was. It was for ideology within itself and the world state. Yeah. So what I'm saying is the reason why actually America didn't like that. I mean, the, uh, the okay, the American people didn't know like uh, you know the, the the real motivation why we're there. But the real reason is that you know we have photographs, certain you know the media stuff like that send all those pictures that American soldiers are killing kids. Okay, so. Because you know, well, the kids over there, they have like they were like, they'll on be on point, on point. Okay, yeah, let's, let's go on peanut <laughs> gallery. We only have so I much time. I wanted to make a yeah. make one more point. Oh, okay. yeah. They're trying to defend. Um. So actually, um, some legislators in California have started drafting some laws to make sure that free speech is protected on college campuses. So this tells me that the free speech debate is actually a thing. It's not a myth. That's just my opinion, though. Um, so, um, nine bills have been introduced in Sacramento to respond to this problem, but most have little help of enactment. Um, we agree that students who dis repeatedly disrupt or shout down speakers should face discipline, but such behavior can already be punished under current regulations. Um, but the state can nudge its institutions of higher learning to recommit itself to free speech, and that's the goal of the measure with the best chance of success. Um, sorry. Okay, this bill addresses a real problem. Um, so universities should be bastions of free speech. The thing is, though, um, the Gallup polls that I've been talking about, um, they're showing that um, it's a fact of contemporary political life that most of the prominent speakers that have been targets of disruptive protests have been conservatives. Many of the protesters have been members or allies of marginalized groups and more often than not Democrats. This creates a temptation for both political parties and not just in California to politicize what should be a nonpartisan commitment to free speech. Real quick, I wanna point out something as well as pose another question. Um, so the thing with Vianopolis is, 
as far as, as I'm aware, I can't necessarily fact check and source this because it was largely an internet thing um, over social media, but there was this surge in information spreading around. I don't know how real it was, but like the couple of days leading up to his, like the day he was supposed to come speak at Berkeley, there was information going around that he was planning on doxing illegal immigrants or immigrant children who attended the school and so and essentially make them targets for ICE. And so a lot more people started mobilizing to prevent that from potentially happening. So like I said, I don't know necessarily if it was true, but that was the information that was going around at the time on various social media, mostly Twitter, um, that people, it, it made more people kind of join into it. And so people like, I think Antifa showed up kind of specifically because of that. Or um, people who were supposed to, you know, not, not supposed to have been Antifa, but were either accused of being Antifa or were Antifa. And just to kind of, like 100%, um, what am I trying to say here? Transparency. So Milo Yiannopoulos is not just a conservative. He is a gay man. He's a gay white European, but he also condoned pedophilia. And he's, he was known to have condoned pedophilia in his books, I think, were pulled off of the Amazon bookstore after that started to go kind of viral. Um, <laughs> so that was like another reason why people were protesting him speaking there, because they didn't want to hear from somebody who had vocally expressed any support for pedophilia, <laughs> even having been a survivor, supposedly, himself. So that was just like the context for some of that that may or may not be part of why that Berkeley one was so vocal in comparison to some of the other more subtle protests that have been happening at other, other places around the country. Um, but my question, if I can remember it, <laughs> um, Eric has, a, has something to say, so he, I'm going to come back to my question eventually if I can remember it. <laughs> Gracias. Um, Here's the thing about these incidents. Uh, here's I pulled I pulled some of this out of the Washington Post. Uh, these incidents are rare. Uh, this is incidents speaking on that are um, that. Let me let me try that again. Incidents in which students or the faculty stop speeches from happening are actually really quite rare. Um, according to the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. Uh, they reported 35 non-platforming attempts in 2017. Out of those, 19 succeeded. Um, something really important to think about is that we live in a country with over 4,700 schools. So here the Washington Post is basically calling it hardly a crisis. Is, is what I'm getting at is that these events are so isolated and that even though they do cause such a big ruckus and most of them sound like they're pretty hard politically charged, Obviously, as we're talking about the Milo thing with um, students, which are targeting students, which are dreamers. Uh, obviously, this this <laughs> the whole pedophilia thing. Yes, it's it's, it's <laughs> obviously it's it's highly politically charged. So I just I just don't see it being a crisis. I think we have more of a crisis um, in free speech in the workplace rather than we do in college campuses. And that's just that's just me personally. I think you can be fired for saying the wrong thing, having the wrong bumper sticker, doing you know just basically being politically opinionated at your job. And I think universities still stand as a pretty good gauge of institutions. 
So my question was, do we think that any of this, at least the rise in supposed or the, the evidence of less conservative tolerance from the student body on campuses, do we think this is because campuses are more diverse now, ethnically and sexually and gender-wise, than they used to be 20, 30 years ago? <laughs> also, we are at 32 minutes. Okay. Um, so There's going to be a lot of that talked on. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. But just so you know, we're not trying to get up to 45 here. Um, so, I, 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 can you say that again? So, I do um, believe that that is a part of why colleges now are being a little less tolerant to the conservative views is because, as I said earlier, I think the gen younger generations are um, learning. Uh, we know that scientifically conversion therapy programs don't work. And so as we are learning about things like that, that a lot of conservative groups stand for, um, we become, and, and usually when a speaker comes um, or there's a speaker at a college, they're trying to advocate something. They're trying to push something forward. They are trying to convince a group of people towards something. They are expressing their views that they so much believe in and are want other people to believe in. And so when a conservative enters the college, and um, I'll go back to my uh, Pence example. If a vice president came in to Mesa College and decided to talk about we should build a conversion therapy center here at Mesa for the the LGBTQ community because we believe that this is wrong, whatever craziness he wants to say. We as Mesa, as students, as a diverse group of, of students would not stand with that. We wouldn't stand with that. And uh, that's just a, a demographic that we have seen in the younger generations, as I said earlier. Uh, most, most of the young people tend to be a little more on the liberal side um, for whatever reason, but I think that's why colleges are becoming less tolerant of conservative views because we know that <laughs> conversion therapy doesn't, it's not real, it's not It's not a thing, yeah, it's not a science. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> what Kara said is 70% of people who go through conversion therapy commit suicide. There is no, there, it doesn't work, basically. So with that said, I think a lot of conservative views bring these ideas <laughs> of fixing bless. something bless your soul um they yeah. believe in things that uh, that can be fixed that were never broken to begin with and they just want to push their ideologies and uh, on 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 college campuses and i think that's why i mean <laughs> i think that's why we see a lot of intolerance quote unquote um in the conservative views in the younger in nowadays in college Um, I was gonna bring up the same point I think today. I don't know whether or not if it's because of like there has been a <laughs> there's been there's a more diversity on college campuses. Um, I think I mentioned this before. So like the Gallup poll showed that um, social media is a critical part of students' lives and has shaped their opinions on free speech. Um, there is a strong suggestion from this study that college students are souring on social media. Basically, social media is like this cesspool of hatred and ugliness. <laughs> and some of that has transferred on to college campuses. <laughs> 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 
and trolling and hate and stuff like that. Um, but another thing I was going to say about what you were saying before, Eric, um, that like the rarity of those events, I know those events are rare, but the point I was trying to say was that like in general, conservatives feel that their views are intolerant, not going to be accepted at all whatsoever, whether or not they're racist or just like conservative, like I believe illegal immigrants should be deported or whatever. They're intolerable, whatever. That's why, right, that's why the Yale study showed that like 71% of those conservative students didn't feel comfortable expressing those views. So maybe they're not going to be shadowed down. They're not going to be talking about it just in their regular social circle because they're like, this social circle and the majority of the college campuses is too liberal and no one is going to want to talk to me. I mean, yeah, but that can always play. I can always I can always play that upon a, like a different gauge. For example, like where you are in society, like on a college campus, we know that the demographics are predominantly liberal. Probably shouldn't walk in here and you know talk about I don't know eradicating a group of people because of their race or color, right? Because most college students are probably going to say that's bullshit. You shouldn't do that, right? And of course, I think there's a there's a time and place for everything. Um, and unfortunately for our society. Being a conservative in college is probably not, not the greatest thing. But at the same token, you probably aren't gonna go into the mil into a military barracks and start talking about LGBTQ um, rights, and they're probably just gonna scoff at you and say, "Yeah, okay," and walk away. And I think that's important to to realize that th that your audience is so important in what you're expressing your views. <laughs> I mean, that's just like point blank. And you know, we talked about this like like Kara said. Has the this more diversity changed their viewpoints on it? I'd say so, but I'd also ar I, I want to argue against it too because we can always go back to the Vietnam War protests in college campuses, and of course, college campuses have always been not always, but at least in the, in the last fifty years, a bastion of um, safe from free speech. And I just the student body. Right. I think we're good. Yeah. Cool. Oh, back to Libby. I don't know the thing about Bobby. As always, thank you for joining us today in our discussion of newsy events, Earthlings. This as always, thank you for joining us today in our discussion for newsy of something new. As always, thank you for joining us today in our discussion of newsy events. Something newsy is a production. Something newsy is a production of the Mesa Press. Today, you heard the voices and opinions of Leo Bustan, Libna Galicia, Saida Hassan, Erica Costa, and Kara Williams. Episode twelve was produced by Libna Galicia and Saida Hassan. Our music is Metamorphosis by Kitsa, Dorian Usan, Dorian Usan, and Myra Figueroa Vasquez, our co-editors-in-chief. To see more of the Mesa Press, you can visit our mesapress.com or track down one of our newsstands on campus. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. This is our last episode of the semester. So really, it was oh, okay. Oh <laughs> Thanks so much for hanging in there with us. Until next semester, Earthlings. Until next semester, Earthlings. <laughs>